0: to Totalus Rankium. This week, Ronald Reagan, part two. Hello, and welcome to American President's Totalus Rankium. I am Jamie. And I am Rob, ranking
1: all of the presidents from Washington to Biden. And this is episode 40 It is double R. The Ronald Ray, Yeah. Uh, Ronnie Ray Ray, as they call him. Oh, yeah. The, the sexy name. Yeah. So uh, you've had you've had a, a couple of weeks, Jamie, to digest Ronald yep. Reagan.
0: Yep. Uh, h- Delicious. H- how are your feelings on him? Um. Very much. Um. Money, money, money. Yeah, I mean, I, I must
1: be funny. Um, editing the episode, I was hit by the fact that <laughs> even though it wasn't in my notes. Uh, we were both starting to get quite frustrated with how lucky his life seemed to be.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, look at me working at this beach with all these beautiful women. Oh, I just fell into this job. Oh, I just fell into this. Oh, Yeah, this it, it so seem a little bit
1: like that. Um, I, I don't know. I was wondering when editing, maybe we've been slightly unfair there, but uh, I don't know. I, no. I don't think so. Uh, I must say we did have one comment saying that the tax rate after the war was insanely high. Uh, so he maybe was justified for not liking it. And I was like, that's a valid point, just not one I yeah. necessarily agree with. <laughs> <laughs> if you're earning the money of a movie star in Hollywood, you're getting paid a stupid amount for doing a dream job. Yeah, just enjoy it. Uh, yeah. but still, that's uh, that's that's all about the debate, and that's about the end, Jamie. Uh, we are still yeah. fully in the biography here, so we need to start. Come on, hit me, hit me with something that we can hook the listener into. Well, it'll depend. Are we going into his presidency
0: in this episode? We are going into his presidency, but not a huge cool. amount. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay, then start off. Yep. It's like a New York street, like a big, almost like Times Square kind of thing. Yeah. Neon lights, a bit smoky. Yeah. It just looks ridiculously 80s. Mm-hmm. And this kind of car, this station wagon sort of also. You know the ones that have like films like this big long car with like wooden panels on the outside? Yeah, yeah. That pulls up outside this bar. hmm And this bar is called the Dynamo. Okay. The door opens, you see a foot step out. hmm The foot is a massive clown foot that makes a big squeak. Okay. Then the other foot comes out, squeak. Then another clown comes out, then another clown. And that happens for about 10 minutes. Just loads of clowns. It's a finally slow start to this thing. film, then. It is. Yeah, okay. It is. Okay, uh, that's And good. they walk into the Dynamo. Yeah. And then you hear it. What do you hear, Rob? <laughs> Well, um,
1: what, what you see, actually, Jamie, rather than hear. Right? Okay, what you hear is another squeak of a foot. A foot comes out. It's the very last one that comes out of that, that wood-panelled car that you've mentioned. Yeah. And uh, instead of going into the Dynamo, this last clown looks around him. He looks a bit shifty, as clowns go. And all the other yeah. clowns have gone in, and he's just looking around him. Yeah. Actually, sorry, which city did you say we were in? I said New York. Damn it, I mis- <laughs> misheard the city. Right, I'm in the wrong city. I'm going to have to change mid-flow. Right, okay. <laughs> this,
0: <laughs> this clown... Well, I think I said... But I also could have said... No, 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 it's,
1: this clown suddenly hails a taxi and says, take me to Washington, D.C., please. And then there's okay. a... <laughs> it's a very quick montage of him going to Washington, D.C. And then a clown gets out of a taxi in Washington, D.C. Squeak, squeak. Squeak, squeak. And then looks around him again, just, just looking a bit shifty. And he's, he's looking around, and he's looking up at a hotel, a hotel in Washington. And then he looks at a newspaper, and he reads that the president will be speaking in Washington that very day. He checks his watch, and he says to himself quietly, just enough time to squeeze in a watch of Taxi Driver. And then the clown squeaks away, hails enough a taxi, because he's got to go back to New York. <laughs> but let him go. Love this. And then just pan slowly towards the hotel. And what's the hotel called? L'hôtel magnifique. No, it is called the Washington Hilton. Right. And those people who know you will then go. Oh, yeah. It's the Washington Hilton in Reagan's. Yeah. yeah. And if you don't know, you'll oh. just go what the hell was that with the clowns? Yeah. To be fair, I think everyone's going to say what the hell is that with the clowns.
0: Yeah, don't yeah. not the clowns. Okay.
1: Send in the glass.
0: Are you sad I didn't actually go into the dynamo bar? I'm a little bit. I was expecting amazing things, but that's fine. We can explore the dynamo in maybe Trump's episode, you know. Maybe,
1: maybe. Okay, so we know that someone is checking out a hotel yeah and that a clown uh, it might be a clown, that might be artistic license, but there was someone waiting for the president to be outside a certain hotel at a certain okay. time. And we all know that when we get into details about timings in like visits to hotels, that's never a good sign mm. in this podcast. so wait for that, Jamie. just wait yeah. for that. Okay but let's let's jump into this, shall we? because we left Reagan as the governor of California. Yeah. Yes, we did. He was fighting with students, if you remember. Oh, we did not yep. like those student-y protesters protesting over yeah. Vietnam. Uh, what else was he doing? He was cutting Social Security to the bone. Mm. Mm. Making reforms, and as I said at the end of last episode, it is debatable how successful these reforms were, but it is considered a win for the right of the Republican Party. So okay. he's doing a job. Some would consider a good job. But whilst he was doing that job, he had his sights on something else. What? The big job, Jamie. The reason why we do our podcast, Jamie. The big cheese. Top top dog. He likes dogs. Yeah, exactly. There were those on the oh. right of the GOP who were convinced that Reagan could get their faction to the top. And Reagan <laughs> had become convinced also. So he's doing his job as governor. He, he thinks he could become president. Ooh. He thinks he can make it. So while Reagan was governor, they had amassed half a million dollars to make sure he could start campaigning for president as soon as possible. Remember last time where some of his backers just bought him a mansion, essentially. Were, yeah, were, yeah, oh yeah,
0: I thought about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, brilliant.
1: Good for him. <laughs> Fell into that again, didn't he? There are some rich people backing Reagan and seeing him as the future of the GOP. Definitely, of course, of course. However, so. the only mm. problem is that the current president was Ford a Republican. And that kind of messed everything up because Ford was eligible to run for another term because of the whole Watergate thing. Now, Reagan was governor of California when the whole Nixon presidency took place. The entire time Nixon was president, Reagan was governor of California. Uh, So he saw the Watergate scandal bringing Nixon down whilst he was governor. Reagan was not convinced by Nixon to begin with. Back when Nixon was running against JFK, uh, Reagan didn't think Nixon was all that. He'd started off promising, thought Reagan, but he'd uh, pandered to the centre of the party too much. Nixon, in turn, by the way, uh, saw Reagan as a far-right extremist, with very little grasp of politics. It's just this right-wing nut of an ex-actor who's making a lot of noise in the fringe of the party, is essentially what Nixon thought to begin with. However... Time has moved on since those days, and the two realised that they actually had more in common than they didn't. And they often agreed on many things. Reagan ended up campaigning loudly for Nixon's second run at the presidency, and as a reward for this, early on in Nixon's presidency, Reagan was sent abroad to several countries as a special envoy. Now this is when he's the governor of California. It's not a logical choice to go abroad and be an envoy for the president. But when Nixon thought that a country would like to hear a very right-wing point of view coming from America, let's send Reagan, he thought. So Reagan ended up touring the East, assuring people that the United States were doing what they could against communism, essentially. This was great for Reagan. Uh, He's the governor of California, but he's getting international experience. He's meeting leaders of other countries. He's visiting other places.
0: So, sort of in training already yeah though. in
1: the same way last episode with his his job when he was touring around the country uh yeah uh, was essentially him campaigning yeah uh, he, he's just yeah. getting a lot of experience of uh shaking hands and talking the talk big picture politics yeah. so yeah this was great however then
0: watergate hits and uh reagan how do you think he takes it he's either be really angry or he's gonna find it hilarious <laughs>
1: Uh, I don't think he found it hilarious, but he remained very loyal. Oh, oh. Most of the GOP remained very loyal, if you remember, to begin with. Yeah. And then as the evidence started to drip, 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 and then eventually start (laughs) to just hurtle towards everyone, this is obvious he is guilty, he's been lying to us this whole time, Uh, everyone started to go, no, we need to distance ourselves. With Reagan, it was slightly different. I mean, to begin with, he seemed to genuinely believe the reassurances of Nixon. In fact, i quote him here. I still have confidence that when the smoke clears, we will find that the president was not involved.
0: Yeah. Just as he announced that, a leaflet comes onto his table. He was definitely <laughs> involved. <laughs> well, once it became clear that Nixon was definitely involved, the inner
1: circles of the GOP, essentially those people paying Reagan lots of money, uh, said to Reagan, yeah. Maybe she would distance himself here slightly. It turns out yeah. Nixon's a little bit toxic. Uh, I mean, he got caught. We yeah. can't be having that. Reagan refused. Nope. Yeah. No. He's been telling people in the past that Nixon was a good man to be president. He's not going to turn his back on Nixon. He told the press that the punishment of resignation was all the punishment that the ex-president needed. We shouldn't be trying to charge him criminally because he broke the law. The man had to quit his job that's that's as bad
0: as it could get nope i think any ex-president that breaks the law should definitely have the full weight of law put upon them because that's unfair to well i
1: mean there's arguments there's the argument you've just put forth which is yeah in a democracy everyone should be treated equally under the law and everyone should be yeah. prosecuted for any crimes they commit and then there's another hmm. argument which says that that's not true I'll let someone else argue that, because we don't have time this episode. (laughs) Uh, But Reagan thought that, um, no, this is punishment enough for poor Nixon. Yes, he's clearly broken the law, uh, but it's fine. The shame of him having to resign is all the punishment needed. Uh, Yeah. yeah. Uh, What this does mean is that Reagan was one of the few in the Republican Party who stuck with Nixon to the very end. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. However, with Nixon gone and Ford in place, this puts a spanner in the works. As I mentioned, Reagan was going to run for president after Nixon. That had been the plan. Nixon completes his second term. He leaves. Reagan steps in. But now, well, Ford's there. And Ford can run again as an incumbent president. So if Nixon is to run, he would have to beat the incumbent president in a primary. And that has never been done before. That is going um, against your own party. Yeah, it doesn't. it's not got the good look of it, has it? No, it really doesn't. Especially when your party has just been ripped apart by the Watergate scandal. Yeah. Uh, some people in the party wanted unity.
0: Some people saw it as an attempt to take over the party. So it's almost like you have to kind of... If there's like a massive scandal with your party, it's like, actually, maybe we should take a break for a bit, regroup and decide what we are. Or everyone forget, kick people while they're down and then take over the party and take it in a new
1: direction. That's, that's also, another, that's another, also direction. another path. So yeah. let's see what Reagan yeah. chooses, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so if Reagan was unsure to begin with, he soon became sure. The more he saw of Ford, the less he liked the man. Uh, he was hardly a Republican in, Re- in Reagan's mind. Or at least not the kind that Reagan saw as the future of the party. Ford was way too soft on, you name it, in Reagan's mind. The Soviets, crime, the economy, anything. He's just not hardline (laughs) enough. Uh, Meanwhile, Ford thought Reagan was inexperienced and simplistic in his political outlook and far too right-wing. It's what I found uh, interesting doing the research, because obviously I know a bit about Reagan, we're getting to relatively modern times here, Uh, just how much of the big established names in the Republican Party really saw Reagan as a far-right extremist as he was coming up. They were very unsure about him, and Ford did not like the way that Reagan was taking the party. However, Ford realised that the right of his party might just rise up against him, with Reagan in the front, so he tried to neutralise Reagan. Let's give Reagan a job offer, and let's see if that will just uh, cool him down a bit. But, oh, Ford miscalculated. He offered Reagan Secretary of Transport...
0: Oh, yeah, let me sort out those roads and the big cars yeah. full of clowns. I mean, how many
1: episodes have we... Uh, well, we, this is our 40th president, Jamie. How many mm. times
0: have we spent well, a long time talking about the Secretary of Transport? Well, I remember in Jackson's episode, it was quite a prominent feature. But other than that, I have no idea. It's not a stepping stone, is it? It's not. No. It's
1: not. It's a job offer that insulted Reagan so much that it pretty much cemented the idea in his mind, that he was going to take Ford on. School. Screw you, Ford. I'm going to be the next president. By this point, Reagan had stepped down as the governor of California, by the way, which freed up his time considerably. He went on tour. Yay! Yay. He appeared on radio stations, he started writing columns for newspapers, he delivered speeches, he quickly became the leading national voice on conservatism. Okay. And along with this, he was making a fortune. <laughs> He
0: was making... Lucky, lucky Reagan. But he was
1: making nearly $300,000 a year. Remember, this is back in the 70s. Uh, yeah. Just for being interviewed about his political opinions. And he probably had the same interview as well. He had one script and just repeated it. As governor, by the way, he made 50000 a year. So he suddenly had a huge, huge pay increase. Yeah. Yeah. Nancy, by the way, remarked at the time mm. that this was the dream job for Reagan. Like, that This is it. This is perfect for him. He got to stick to big picture politics. He got to talk about tax cuts and not have to deal with the nitty gritty of like day-to-day politics. Yeah. He was able to talk about how bad big government was, but not actually go into detail about why. This was Reagan <laughs> at his best, and that's not me being facetious here. It, it really was. Yeah. He was very good at getting these big messages... Across to people And get them to care about it He loved okay. doing it, he was passionate about it If we didn't live in a society That seems to dictate that we've got to Constantly be moving on and progressing To be worth anything He probably could have done this for the rest of his life And lived a very happy life Because he apparently he was having a great time He was getting <laughs> loads of money, doing a job He loved chatting about politics uh, They bought another ranch by the way uh, They bought a Not couple good. last episode. This one's even bigger Uh, this time it cost over half a million dollars there was a bit of speculation that there was a bit of dodgy dealing going in the purchase of this ranch but i looked into it and as far as i can tell nothing was ever found so this might just be political opponents digging looking for something anyway over the next couple of years the ranch house was completely converted to be made comfortable and modern remember with uh, general electrics he was He got loads of free electronic stuff, so he liked all his modern stuff. This is the seventies, so they had those big tape machines on the walls. Oh yes,
0: fax machines. And they had fax machines. Oh my goodness! The future. They had
1: sticks with metal balls on the end that would make
0: woo woo. Noises when you walk
1: past them. <laughs> whom, whom, yeah, whom. they had all of the technology. Glowing red tubes. Yes. Glowing red tubes. all of that. A man in a red top would occasionally just materialise on the ranch and then get shot. <gasps> uh, yeah, oh, it' was great. He was having a great time. Uh, yeah. With my lasers. <laughs> yes. It's around this time that Reagan was approached by some on the far right of the GOP. Maybe they were teleported in with that guy <laughs> in the red top.
0: <laughs> yes, they they teleported in. <laughs> Commander Reagan, we are here. And they wanted to... We are from Moonbase Alpha. They wanted to ask him a question. Your society is doomed. <laughs> sorry. Oh, sorry. Well, yeah, no,
1: that's pretty much what they said. They, they'd pointed oh. out that Watergate had delivered a blow to the Republican Party. Ford mm. was not particularly popular, especially after he pardoned Nixon. Maybe this was a tipping point in American politics. It's not been seen many times before, but maybe no. this is the time for a new party, like when the Ooh. Republican Party started. Uh, yeah. Maybe it's time to create a party for right wing conservatives rather than having to rely on the GOP. Now, okay. remember again, GOP back then wasn't naturally a right wing conservative party. It, yeah. it contained pretty much most of the conservatives, uh, yeah. but it that wasn't what they were all about. So a lot in the Republican Party, very annoyed with the direction Ford was taking things, wanted to split, make a third party. Reagan genuinely thought about it. I mean, after all, it would essentially be his party. He was the forerunner. He was, was the spokesman in this area. Uh, but he didn't think for long. He realised the two-party system in the US meant that third parties were almost certain to fail. I mean, yeah. As we've seen since the Civil War, it's not shifted. So... Okay. Yeah, it's not likely to happen. So instead, he was determined to turn the GOP into the right-wing conservative government that he wanted. In fact, I quote him, Is it the third party we need or a revitalised second party? It's probably easier to do the latter. Yeah, exactly. Let's let's get what the GOP is and turn it into what our faction is. And then in the future, the GOP will just be right-wing conservatism. And that is it, straight down. Let's work on that, he thought. So he decides to do that. It seems to focus him. He starts really getting into uh, politics again at this point. He goes after Ford. He assembles a team. He is going to campaign to be the nominee for president. It was quickly decided that Reagan needed to get away from the image that he only talked in cliches and didn't know any detail. So he started a series of speeches that actually had detail in them. What? Yeah, yeah.
0: But he's a big picture kind of guy.
1: Well, it backfired immediately, Jamie. Oh. Yes, definitely. He delivered delivered the Let People Rule address in September of 75. Essentially, the speech was about giving rights back to states away from federal government. He went into detail on how this could save money in various
0: areas. Ten hours later, when his speech finished...
1: Well, this was part of the problem. I mean, the speech was not as interesting as usual. Uh, The press did not find it particularly exciting. So Mm. the public didn't hear about it as much. But his political opponents certainly did. Those in the Ford camp certainly Mm. did. Uh, And also, you know what? It's so boring, I started looking into it and got bored myself. So I'm not even going to tell you the detail he went into. (laughs) Brilliant. (laughs) Kind of proving the point that it was very boring. So without going into depth... The team around Ford were able to pick apart the details that the Reagan team had put together and use it to accuse Reagan of not knowing what the hell he was talking about. <laughs> and spread fears that these changes actually would raise taxes. Fewer federal taxes, larger state taxes. And uh, they kind of had a point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The, the, the Reagan team kind of dropped the ball on this one. Uh, He was on his back foot after this. He campaigned hard. He had 200 appearances in 17 days at one point. Wow. Yeah, when I say campaigned hard, he campaigned hard. He was meeting people, doing interviews, appearing on radio shows, closed-door meetings, you name it. He was politicking. Left, right, centre but mostly right. <laughs> uh, he was 65 by this point, by the way, just to give you an idea. Of his... 65? Yeah, yeah, time's moved on. Wow. So he found it hard. I mean, that's, that's yeah. a lot of work. It is. Uh, the primaries started, and it didn't go well for Reagan at all, to begin with. Uh, he lost all the important early states. It got to the point where leading members of the GOP were calling Reagan and asking <laughs> him to drop out in the name of party unity. Now, again, hindsight Makes you think, oh, Reagan's rise was inevitable. But at this point, the GOP was very fractured in bits post-Watergate trying to figure out what they were going to do.
0: Yeah,
1: Reagan's faction was just yet another disturbance that most people in the party thought was just causing unnecessary waves and could lead to a full-on civil war in the party. So people started calling him going, seriously, Reagan, can you stop this? (laughs) You're not going to win. You're just causing... it down, dude. Yeah, exactly. Turn it down. Uh, Donations to his campaign dried up The public perception was he was going to lose That actor who was governor of California for a while I mean, that was all very amusing But he's not going to be president, is he? Yeah, he's no Arnold Schwarzenegger Exactly Uh, Reagan responded by doubling down (laughs) There's no way Reagan's just going to give up Because someone asked him to In fact, I quote him here I'm taking this all the way to the convention Even if I lose
0: every damn primary between now and then you got to admire that in a way.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's not because it it's off. a
0: good learning opportunity as well. Because he can then regroup, yeah, for next time. Exactly. Uh, if there is a next time. Well, he then suddenly got a victory in North Carolina.
1: Woo, he said. He, he did say that. He said that on a plane with some ice cream, apparently. Him and Nancy were on a plane when they heard the news and they celebrated with a small glass of champagne and a big bowl of ice cream. Did not put that in my notes. It's weird how you just no? suddenly remember a detail in one book that you read yeah. a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> but yes, that's where they heard the news. What have they done differently this time? They thought and asked themselves whilst jumping down on some rocky road. Um... Well, nothing really. What was it that swung it? Oh, I suppose we did go hard on Ford for not standing up to Russia as much as he should. Was it that? Maybe. Maybe we should lean on that a little bit more, they thought. Mm. So, Reagan took the Cold War and ran with it. Okay, let's see if that's what swung it. Let's see. The United States, Reagan started to claim, was now number two in the world. Obviously.
0: And only Reagan would have, and could have, the strength to make America... Number one again. Sound familiar? No, it sounds like I I have been recently watching the Arnold Schwarzenegger documentary on Netflix. Oh yeah, because he's a, a a big fan of Reagan. That um, does not surprise me at all. No, and there's one bit. I think it's Reagan his president. He's giving a speech saying, "We're going to make America great again." Yes, I mean, it's not the first time in this podcast <laughs> that it's come up. It is a, a no. slogan that has been used many times. Yeah, and this is what... I, th- if I think even now to use it again now is just redundant and just oh. like, oh, with your own thing can't you? <laughs> Yes, maybe. Right. Well, uh, it works. Saying let's make America number one again,
1: that sounds good, doesn't it? So, uh, yeah. yeah, people started latching onto that. It was clear Reagan was starting to get a bit of a bounce. The Ford camp attempted to paint Reagan as a far-right extremist. It's like, seriously, the guy doesn't know what he's talking about, and you should hear some of his political opinions. This is not for the mainstream. This (laughs) backfired, though, at least seemed to, when the Reagan camp was able to spin it that the Ford camp lacked conservative values and strength. They're pandering to the Democrats. Nice. Yeah. Only Reagans are true. Republican. It seemed to work. One frustrated Ford aide commented at the time, we are in real danger of being out-organised by a bunch of highly motivated right-wing nuts. Uh, And Uh. uh, yes, they were. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) the Ford camps might have viewed Reagan's lot as right-wing nuts, but that's not how a lot of the public saw them. They they seemed to like what Reagan was saying. Uh, Reagan was by this time gaining votes from defecting Democrats as well.
0: Wow. Yes.
1: It makes sense if you think about it. These are Democrats in southern states. Alabama, Ah. Indiana, Georgia all went for Reagan over Ford, in large part because of traditional registered Democrats abandoning their party for the promise of a very conservative Republican one. Mm. Uh, again we're seeing the consequence of the democratic push for civil rights and the republican southern strategy coming into effect and this idea that the party's just suddenly flipped isn't true that is overly simplistic we have seen for oh many episodes now this slow bleed from one party to another yeah. but um we're seeing it here again you're getting a lot mm. of democrats in the south going well, actually this reagan chap we're liking what he's saying. By this point, Ford and Reagan were neck and neck. Uh, quite the achievement for Reagan, an outsider yeah. going up against a sitting president of his own party. Yeah. Uh, very impressive. Uh, it was so close, in fact, that the primaries couldn't decide it. It actually went down to the convention where a handful of unpledged delegates would decide things. So mm. I think, talking like the old days where you would go to the convention and like someone's going to make a decision in the back room somewhere. Yeah. Bit of a throwback here. Uh, oh. It was very close. But in the end, being a sitting president gave you a lot of leverage and Ford was able to convince those and decided to go with him because, hey, I'm the president and I can like give you something now. Whereas <laughs> yeah. all Reagan can do is promise you something if he wins. So yeah, vote for me.
0: One. Have a house. Yeah, exactly. Just... Sh- speedboat. Oh, yeah, just, yeah, yeah, just yeah. sort of get you this lovely speedboat. It's a lot of yeah? expenses. Of Cuban cigars. Yes, they are illegal, but not for me. <laughs> Well, you. <laughs> well, Reagan loses this. Uh, yeah. It was bloody
1: close, though. However, it's not a bad defeat. I mean, there were defeats and there were defeats. Uh, in fact, looking mm. back, historians generally agree that him losing here was the best outcome for him. If he'd won here, he would have been going up against Carter, mm. and Carter was a Carter. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, a lot of debate over whether this actually did Reagan a favour, and I can kind of see the point as I'll explain more in a moment. Um, Yeah, Reagan ended that night not feeling too disheartened. They felt like this was the start of something rather than the end of something. It's like the groundswell, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. The feeling in the party was that the right faction in the party were on the rise, and it's only a matter of time. Reagan has proved himself capable of campaigning on the highest level, and now he had a huge base of support across the country. When Ford called Reagan on stage at the end of the convention, in a sign of unity, uh, the cries of speech went up. Speech. Speech. Speech.
0: Uh, tell us the speech. Well,
1: uh, Reagan was unprepared, apparently, which I have read this in two places and made me go, really? Mm. I don't think it would be possible to be unprepared to give a speech if you have been campaigning to be president. Yeah. You're going to have at least four in your back pocket any time. Surely. Yeah. Let me guess, though, he gave the best speech of his life. Yes, yes he did. He leaned back on some of his favourite material. He spoke for six minutes about freedom and about the need to defeat the communists. He spoke of America in 2076 and how the erosion of America through the Democrats had to be stopped if they wanted America to be great at that time. (laughs) In fact, he said there is no substitute for victory. And the auditorium broke into a rousing applause and many said it's the best speech he's ever given. Ford, with a bit of a fixed smile, stood next to him. That's, uh, yeah. Yeah, oh, great. That's yeah. Great, oh, yeah. That's yeah, <laughs> great. Yeah. One reporter commented that Ford had won the nomination, but Reagan had won the hearts. So, like I say, Reagan left that night feeling... Very positive for a loser. And he barely paused for breath. He just carried on campaigning to be the president. He loyally campaigned on Ford's behalf against Carter, to begin with. Or, at least in Reagan's mind, he loyally campaigned against Carter. Uh, Many in Ford's camp believed that maybe Reagan could have tried a little bit harder. Ford himself (laughs) blamed his eventual loss to Carter, uh, in part due to Reagan and the GOP right not getting behind him. So there's, again, that undercurrent of civil war and the GOP going on yeah. there. Anyway, Carter does win as we saw and for the next four years Reagan did everything with his eye on the White House. His newspaper columns speeches, radio interviews ramped up. He was now doing radio interviews daily by this point. He delivered 150 speeches across 1977-78 <laughs> In two uh, days <laughs> He wrote two columns a week uh, he, he was just full on campaign mode all the time As I've said, in hindsight, it's easy to see the GOP as ramping up here. It's like, this is, they're really getting into gear. Uh, But at the time, the GOP was seen as a dying party. Carter's come in, Ford is gone, Watergate's wounded them, the pardoning of Nixon had destroyed Ford, and the core of the party was being overtaken by this fringe group on the extreme right. The Republican Party was seen as drowning. Yeah. However, Reagan would loudly declare to all who would listen that this was nonsense. The GOP's best days were to come. They were ahead of them. In 77, he called for a new Republican Party that embraced economic and social conservatism. He wanted the party to get away from the image of being the party for the elites and big business, and instead become the party for the people. Now, most in the Democrats dismissed this. Reagan was still seen as a political lightweight, lacking on detail. However, some people were getting nervous. One prominent Democrat at the, set, at the time said, There is a movement to turn the Republicans into populists. A party of the people against the Democratic Party of the state. Some people might have said that was slightly hyperbolic, that the Republican Party would just become a party of populists. Uh, It probably was hyperbolic at the time. But you could see the 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 point that they were making. Anyway, many things are lining up for Reagan at this time. Not all obvious. Some of this is with hindsight. was actually perfect timing for him. His seemingly endless luck continued.
0: Of course. Yeah, of course it did. Lucky (laughs) Reagan. Lucky, lucky Reagan. Lucky Reagan.
1: As we saw in Carter's episode, it's about this time the economy falls apart and the energy crisis kicks in. I mean, to be fair, it's been falling apart for a while, but it's now really on Carter's watch yeah. and the Democrats' watch. Yeah. Uh, so and Reagan Reagan's...
0: And had an ice cream.
1: Well, Reagan said, ha 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 told you, told you so, told you so. His warnings of the country being weak because they had a weak president was seemingly supported by the fact that people now could not put gas in their cars and could not heat mm. their homes. Meanwhile, the Christian right, horrified by Carter, a seemingly godless president, by the way, who clearly did not care for traditional family values, Uh, well, where can we go? They thought, well, there's a vocal conservative here. So the Christian right, not to this point an an obvious Republican group, started really moving towards uh, Reagan. On top of this, people at the time were quite scared about the Russians. The Cold War seemed to be hotting up once more. It'd been a while since the Cuban Missile Crisis. Things seemed to get better for a while, but oh, now. The United States had lost Vietnam. Iran had then revolted, leaving the Middle East more open to the Soviets, and sure enough, they'd rolled into Afghanistan. Are we losing this? People started to ask themselves. Uh, Reagan and other prominent Republicans were telling the public at every opportunity that the Russians would indeed win this war if they continued with the de-escalation of the arms race. We need to stop reducing the nukes. This is leading yeah. us to being weak. The only way to win the Cold War is to be far stronger than the enemy. Now, that is a very clear and simple message that makes sense to a lot of people. A lot of people yeah. liked hearing it. They were worried they weren't as strong as Russia. Reagan's group was saying, let's be stronger than Russia, though. Um, Reagan, by the way, personally believed that if America were strong enough russia would collapse it in on itself trying to keep up reagan genuinely believed that if america just kept pushing the arms race russia would not be able to keep up their would fall apart he did not see a need or want to turn the cold war into a hot war that idea horrified reagan but mm. he didn't voice this too loudly when he was getting the war <laughs> hawk vote no of course no so he talked about strength a lot
0: yeah strength yeah.
1: power Yeah, big muscles. He he was personally horrified at the idea of actually leading to nuclear war, but he just sort of left that part out. As he should be. Everyone should be horrified at that. Well, only a complete psychopath would not be horrified by that. Yes. Yes. Uh, And Reagan wasn't one. Uh, He he, he believed, however, that de escalating nukes was actually a bad idea. Just get stronger and stronger than your enemy until they give up. Yeah. Uh, You can see the argument. You can also yeah. argue that it's a hell of a gamble, uh. But that that was Reagan's thinking. Anyway, uh, so he was doing well with the types of people who liked the idea of a strong military. Interestingly, one area that he was not doing well with was business. Really? Yeah. Yeah. They feared Reagan was turning the GOP into the party for the people. Oh, <laughs> we don't want that. Well, yeah. I mean, yes, it's great he's talking about tax cuts. But when you actually stop and listen to what he's saying, he's talking about Cutting people's tax, not business tax. I mean, he's also saying cutting that as well, but just talk about cutting tax for, like, everyone. Big Business didn't particularly like this. However, Reagan had one thing on his side. He wasn't Carter, and Big Business by this point had decided that Carter was the worst possible outcome in the next election, so they lukewarmly supported Reagan. Assuming, of course, that he would win the next primary, um, because... Reagan's not necessarily going to be the next nominee. Yes, he'd narrowly been defeated by Ford, and Ford was out of contention now. So who else is going to go up against him? Well, there was one man, one rival, and he was the head of the CIA. He went by the name of George H.W. Bush.
0: Ah!
1: Yes, Bush. Bush Senior.
0: Who's head of the CIA?
1: Yeah, oh yeah, well we'll get to that in his episode. Uh wow, yeah. I didn't know that. Uh, yeah, so we're uh we're uh, future episode, Jamie, we'll get into it. Uh yeah, he yeah. he was um he was pushing for, for the moderate vote in the GOP was Bush. Uh the race was launched in Iowa, and to the shock of many, Bush won the first primary. Hey. Yeah. Uh Bush, the underdog, had worked the state hard, whereas Reagan and his advisers had decided Let's appear like we're above the fray, like we've already won. Let these other people scrap amongst themselves. You're the obvious contender. That that completely backfired. Uh, If Bush won the next state, he would have momentum as a forerunner. And in this new primary system they now had, that was vital. So Reagan changed up. Okay, we've got to fight Bush straight on, he thought. So in New Hampshire, the Reagan team offered the Bush team a one-on-one debate. Let's get on TV. Let's debate one-on-one. In fact, we'll even pay, said the Reagan team. We'll we'll pay the fees for the (laughs) TV and everything. Uh, Just just come on and debate us. Let's ignore the other five who are running, because there were five other candidates. They are insignificant. Let's turn this into a two-person race. Mm. Both sides thought their man would win easily. Bush thought Reagan's a walking cliche with no detail, uh, and Reagan thought Bush wasn't a real conservative. Uh, So (laughs) the two of them were confident. So it was set up, yeah, okay, let's do a one-on-one debate. However, they set it for three weeks' time. And three weeks, as the saying goes, is a long, long, long time in politics. And polling showed that Reagan was no longer losing to Bush. In fact, it looked like he was going to win the state regardless of this. So a debate was just a risk. We don't need to do this anymore. (laughs) However, backing out of a debate looks weak, doesn't it? Yeah.
0: Okay, so we don't want to back out, but we don't want to go for a one-on-one debate. What can we do? Um, Monetary problem. Oh, we can't do it now because we said we'd fund it, but we can't. Uh, That would look weak as well, though, wouldn't it? Oh, dear. My finances are rubbish. Bomb. (laughs) No, not
1: that extreme. Uh, No, Great Bush's legs. (laughs) Let's invite the other five candidates Uh. to debate. Spread the damage. Less likely you make a a fool of yourself if there are seven people on stage. So um, the Reagan camp... Just invite everyone else along. The Bush team were furious. Mm. It's like, no, this turns Bush into the one candidate against Reagan, who was the forerunner at the start. So we don't like this. But they couldn't really do anything, because this invite went out on the morning of the debate. Everything was very quick, fast-paced. Yeah. Yeah. So Bush Bush team were furious, tried to fix things, but they couldn't fix it quick enough. The invites had gone out, the venue had accepted the change... Okay, Bush was completely ambushed. Reagan and four other candidates turned up. Uh, the fifth one decided not to bother. Uh, they turned up at the venue, and then so did Bush. Very angry. And it still had not been decided exactly how the debate was going to play out. Oh, wow. it was okay. Yeah, <laughs> it was it was all a bit. <laughs> Welcome bit chaos. to the
0: debate. I think there may be questions. I have no yes, idea. It's I know. Either oh, two look, people there's... or five oh.
1: people. Anyway, I mean, it starts and Reagan starts off without warning by explaining that he's invited the other candidates on because he wanted oh. everyone to have a fair say. It's party unity. We're all Republicans here. Let's hear all of our opinions. Aren't I a good guy? (laughs) The moderator of the debate, seeing that this is not in the plan, what on earth's going on? No, no, no. So he shouted for the microphone to be shut off. Like, shut off Reagan's microphone. No, No, you cannot be saying this. The audience jeer. Reagan's popular. They don't want Reagan to be shut off. Reagan attempted to carry on, and again, the moderator demanded the microphone to be shut off. And at this point, a visibly angry Reagan shouted, I paid for this microphone, Mr. Green. Now, this did a couple of things. This made everyone realise that Reagan was paying for the debate, which made it look (laughs) like he was kind of in charge. Mr Green, by the way, wasn't the moderator's name. It was Mr Dean. So that just kind of Uh put the moderator in his place and people found that amusing. But it also, in one soundbite, made Reagan seem powerful and authoritative. He did not come across as whiny and annoyed. Uh, Maybe that's the... it's the way he said it. He was a trained actor after all. Yeah. He said it and it sounded good when he said it. There was uproar. Uh, the crowd, mostly, however, were lapping up this show of passion and drama. There then was a debate over what the format of the debate would be. Exciting stuff. Reagan, during this, was remained... A- this in front of the audience? Like, Yeah, yeah. So this is in front of the audience. Everything is just being publicly put out on display here. Yeah. And whilst this is happening, Reagan is visibly very angry still. He's looking furious. One of his aides worried that Reagan was about to storm off stage got a piece of paper to Reagan, like, run on stage with this bit of paper, pass it to Reagan. The note essentially said, stay calm, seriously, this is looking good for you, but if you storm off, you'll look like you can't control yourself. At this point, Reagan turned three quarters on the stage, so he was not facing the audience anymore, he found the face of the aide waiting in the wings, and just gave the aide a nice wink. Reagan wasn't furious at all. He's, Again. Sh- he's acting. He's a trained actor. He knows how to work a crowd. Oh. He knows how to deal with these things. He, yeah, it's he's playing it perfectly. Now, eventually they decide on, no, it was agreed, Bush versus Reagan. No one else. So that's what actually happens. Uh, there was a debate, just the two of them. No one remembers it at all. They just remember Reagan getting passionate and angry at the start. So uh, Reagan wins the debate without having to do anything to do with his political opinions or mapping out his vision for the country or anything whatsoever. He just came across as better. So he wins. And it was seen as a turning point. Reagan was the forerunner from that moment on and went on to win the primary. By that time, it was decided to offer Bush the vice presidency nomination. There's a bit of animosity between them at the point where I was talking about. But by this time, uh, Bush was actually more than happy to be vice president. And uh, because I don't have time to talk about him much later, the two of them actually get on really quite well. But Bush was the kind of vice president who went, yes, sir, you just tell me what to do. And Reagan liked (laughs) that. So yeah, they, they choose Bush because it shores up the vote in Texas, which had been won by Carter last election. And Texas, big population, carries a lot of electoral college votes. So if we can Mm. swing Texas using Bush, sounds good. Now, we kind of covered the election between Reagan and Carter in Carter's episode. It was dominated by the Iran hostage crisis, remember? Yes. Yes. Uh, But that didn't mean that other factors were not important. The economy is still a mess. Public confidence in Carter was through the floor. Uh, However, the public were worried about Reagan. It was clear to anyone paying attention that Reagan would be the most extreme president in their lifetimes if he's elected. And to anyone who was not paying attention, wasn't he that actor? Really? Not <laughs> president? Yeah, so eh, Reagan had uh, become the voice of conservatism nationally, but he'd not necessarily broken through to everyone else as a sensible no.
0: candidate for president. I guess it's like nowadays, like a reality TV star being named president with that kind of ridiculous thing, wouldn't it?
1: Oh, I suppose so, yeah, it would be a bit like that. But a bit further on, it'd be a bit like... Um, nasty nick from the first series of big brother running for prime <laughs> minister the only oh, big wow. brother i ever watched i'm actually able to name someone R- never really saw any I've of the others never, never seen it in my life I, I watched the first series uh, just because it was very new and interesting A lot of people did yeah yeah and then i uh, went no nah, not for me and then i stopped <laughs> is it still on do I still do that? Do I just do it on islands I now? Know. I I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, Reagan he's got a base. He's got a base that he's building that I've already mentioned, and that's getting him a lot of votes. And also Carter's having a tough time of it. That means the race is virtually neck and neck. And the election was not a clean one, as I as I talked about in the last episode. Reagan's campaign managed to steal Carter's notebook before a debate. So Reagan was able to know exactly what the president was going to say, which kind of gave him the edge. You'll be unsurprised to know that the public thought that he won that debate. Weird. Yeah. I mean, there's an argument to be said that if you're electing a president, you want a president who knows how to win a debate no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) However, this falls under campaign tomfoolery, compared to if you start looking into the fact that Reagan's campaign apparently got word to Iran. I did mention this last time. Yeah. Reagan got word to Iran, keep the hostages until after the election. Yeah. Reagan will be good for you. Just, just keep them for a while longer. Obviously, utterly, utterly reprehensible and awful. Yes. This is a yes. campaigning presidential nominee saying to a foreign power, Please keep my citizens for longer, because it will do me some good. Yeah, yeah that's that's I, a bit dodgy. I, it's one of the most dodgy <laughs> things we've uh, ever covered. I mean, not the most. We've covered some severely dodgy stuff, but it's really bad. Yeah. I do feel I should say and stress, however, all of this is still officially denied. Mm. But when one of the people who went on the trip with the message admitted to doing it... Yeah, like yeah. the the guy who went with the message went. Yeah, I was there. I, I saw it. I helped deliver the message. I have the message here in my hands. Look, here yeah, it is. and also then taken to the fact that it's exactly what Iran did. I mean, as we covered last time, they literally waited minutes after Carter had stopped being president to release those hostages. It was a clear message. Uh, yeah. I'm just going to say it. I'm taking it as truth. I believe this happened. I know we've talked about conspiracy theories before, and I think some people claim that this is a conspiracy theory, but I'm I'm taking this one as the truth. But I will keep stressing that I don't know it's the truth. Uh, There were two House committees that looked into this allegation back in 93, by the way. Uh, So it's not a modern allegation. Those committees discovered that uh, no foul play occurred whatsoever. So there you go. That's the official word. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, polls put Reagan ahead, but not by much. It's really close. In the end, it was Carter admitting publicly that the hostages would not be released before the election that really swung the poll numbers. As mentioned last time, most voters for Reagan said that they weren't voting for Reagan. They were voting against Carter. We're talking over 50% here. That is a huge number to go. I didn't really care who I was voting for as long as it wasn't Carter. This was a, we don't like Carter.
0: Yeah. That's yeah. going to
1: give you a complex, isn't it? It really is, especially when Carter was literally one of the nicest guys ever to be president. Yeah. Oh, I, maybe we should put it here. Oh, we did get some uh, pushback, not giving Carter Genesys Cesar. Uh, there were definitely some unhappy people. Genesys
0: Cesar.
1: Oh, wrong, wrong podcast, uh, American.
0: I think uh, you should have had it. That's not what you said. Oh, no, I definitely, definitely said he should have had it. Well, I said he should have had it, and you argued me down. That's what I remember. Nope. No? I don't remember that at all. Well,
1: apparently, we went against uh, what we did for John Quincy Adams. Apparently, we did take his post-presidency into uh, consideration, and that Mm. affected our decision, so... I don't know, maybe we'll go to the knockout rounds and we'll we'll come back and we'll listen to John Quincy Adams and we'll see if we've been harsh on Carter. Uh, We
0: we could reevaluate Carter.
1: I'm not ruling it out completely. We did not, at the end of the episode, we didn't say one way or the other. We just left it blank. Okay. So we've not actually made an official ruling there, but uh, I don't know. I feel like we might have been right, you know. Anyway, (laughs) that's uh, that's by the by. Um, Carter lost. He lost the election. Only 25% of voters at the time deemed... This result, as I quote, a mandate for a more conservative policy. The, the public were not crying out for a more conservative government. No. They were crying out for less Carter. Yeah. <laughs> but regardless, that is what the US were going to get. Because not only yeah. did Reagan win, oh, he won in a landslide. The way that the oh, wow. uh, it, it actually fell in the end. 489 Electoral College votes to 49.
0: Oh my God, that is a dis- absolutely
1: destroyed Carter yeah. we we have not seen wins like this since the early days when the system was different when it's washington versus nobody yes yeah. exactly <laughs> Uh, even then nobody picked up at least 52 votes <laughs> really. uh, yeah no um, the Senate by the way went Republican for the first time since 1954 oh. and the Democratic control of the House was significantly lowered so it's looking good for the Republicans and remember this yeah. is so soon after Watergate they managed to turn themselves around so quickly the yeah. Democrats must have been looking at themselves going what the hell has just happened we had an open goal <laughs> yeah <laughs> Uh, We could be
0: in power for the next hundred years. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Uh, Reagan delivered his inaugural address. Uh, By the way, first one ever given on the West Front rather than the East Front of the Capitol. So yes, that's right. right. Every time that you have been imagining the inaugural address in all the other episodes and you've been picturing them standing facing the Washington Monument, apparently Uh not. Oh. I'll admit, when doing my research, this was the first time I realised they only shifted it this late.
0: (laughs) okay. They are on
1: the other side of the Capitol building, apparently. Oh. Yeah. Did they tell the crowd? <laughs> Maybe that's why they swapped him. Maybe the crowd went to the wrong place and they had to shuffle around. <laughs> uh, no, actually, the reason why they shuffled around was to save money. Uh, some Someone who I can only assume <laughs> got a gold star that day pointed out that you do realise if we go to the other side of the building, we don't need to build a stage because we could just do the inauguration on the terrace. It's like, mm. the, it's like a natural stage. Uh, that'll save us loads of money. Brilliant. Someone said to sensible Samuel. Samuel, by the way, has been trying to get this message across for the last 100 years. Yeah. He sits down and weeps that someone's finally listened to him.
0: Thank you. That's a whole $20 saved.
1: (laughs) But once they made uh, the decision to move uh, to the West Front, it was one of those, why on earth haven't we always done this moments? Yeah. Because Reagan was able to give his inaugural address and then point to the Lincoln and Washington memorials whilst he was doing it. And also the crowd could be far larger because they could be on the mall. It just made so much more sense. So, yeah, yeah, from then on, that's where they've been. Sort of. With one exception that we'll come to. Anyway, within minutes of being president, as we said, word comes in, the hostages have been released. Reagan's got his
0: first win. He's already done what Carter couldn't. Not even entered the White House yet. I like to think he just finished off his speech, got a microphone in his pocket and went, release the hostages. He's finished his speech with just a countdown. (laughs) <laughs> and it will be a brighter day for America.
1: Three, two, one, and then a banner comes down. <laughs> Hostages released. Yeah, it's probably like that. Yeah. Yeah, don't, don't look into that. That's definitely true. Well, what did happen actually afterwards is all oh, the parties began. So many yeah. parties, lots of celebration. Tickets to the various celebrations, by the way, were on average $500 each. This was compared Ooh. to Carter's tickets, which were $25. Yeah, the event gathered criticism as being in celebration of the wealthy for the wealthy. Well, yeah, the, that's how the, to the whole "we're the party of the people" now image took a little bit of a hit that night, as Washington just filled with very, very rich <laughs> people celebrating. Day uh, <laughs> one. Yeah, some claim that this was hypocritical from a man who had campaigned that he was going to make the average man's lives better. Uh, some, however, argued that this was a show of strength to the world. Got a new person in charge. Of course, you want lots of wealth and display. And yeah, we're not a poor declining country. We're on the rise. We're the world's most powerful country. So that was the argument either side. Uh, Either way, the debate was cut short when Reagan was shot. Oh, clown. (laughs) Yay, there we go. Yes, or maybe not a clown, but someone. (laughs) Yes, he was shot and uh, he died. The end. Right, so let's rate him. Right. Oh, Jamie, it's a ruse. It's a ruse. He doesn't die. Oh! Oh, you fooled me. He becomes the first me. president ha, ha, ha. to be shot and not die.
0: Ha, ha,
1: ha. Two months into his presidency, he delivered a speech at the Washington Hilton. That's right, Jamie. It's the hotel from the start. <gasps> with the clown. With their clown. Maybe not a clown, but with their clown. Uh, the venue was a well-secured hotel. It, was, uh, it had a good screening process... Uh, yep. you, there was no way to get in or out without being thoroughly searched. So safe yep. was the venue, it was decided that Reagan didn't even need to wear a bulletproof vest. Uh, however, for some reason, the plan from the Secret Service had not included keeping the crowd away once Reagan exited the hotel. Of course. No, so there was like a little bit of a journey between the the door yes. and the uh, the car, where the crowd could actually be really close. Um, one man, John Hinckley, stood in the crowd. He was a man just mm. well, wiping off a bit of pale makeup. <laughs> and uh, putting a, a small red nose in his, in his pocket. Uh, yes, this was John Hinckley. John Hinckley had an obsession with Jodie Foster, and he had seen right. Taxi Driver recently, and decided that, like Robert De Niro, if he planned to kill a
0: prominent politician, Jodie Foster would notice him. So he was on some... He, he, he fell off the deep end, let's say.
1: Yeah yeah, let's bit. say that. He, he was yeah. he was not in a good way. Let's say that. No. Yeah, yeah, put aside any idea that Reagan was attacked for his political views. No, we are not going down that road. This is someone who was delusional. Right. Anyway, Reagan leaves the hotel, and as he passed Hinckley, Hinckley pulled out his gun. His gun held six rounds, six explosive rounds They're the ones that explode: don't They're they? the ones that explode on impact. Oh. Yeah, uh, small calibre, uh, .22, I know my guns. Uh, I've seen enough TV programmes
0: to know that that's the small calibre type of bullets, though. <laughs> yeah, it's it's weird. I always find it weird, it's like, a, you know, it got a 9mm. It's like, you're using millimetres, why? <laughs> should be like 7 of an inch oh that's a very good point they're using the
1: imperials yes that's no, never yeah. occurred to me look look at them getting all metric with their bullets i know however i never occurred to me
0: slippery so towards socialism
1: <laughs> that's what reagan would say it's probably what he thought when he saw the bullets yeah <laughs> anyway these small caliber but might i remind you explosive rounds were fired from a distance of only 15 feet and Ooh. six fu- bullets were fired the first bullet are you following it in bullet time
0: yes okay so it's, it's, Matrix.
1: it's left it's left the gun it shoots through the air it hits press secretary james brady in the head Oh, oh. Nasty. Outlook isn't good. Yeah, It's not good. Uh, well, actually, better than you might expect, he survived. Oh. He was not killed by this, um, but he was severely disabled by it. He was in a wheelchair for the rest of his life and had slurred speech for the rest of his life. Uh, he went on, by the way, to campaign for tighter gun laws. You might be shocked yeah. to learn. Yeah. Anyway, no time for that now. The second bullet has left the gun. Are you following it? Yeah. Yeah, okay, this one rips through the air and hits a police officer in the neck. Oh. Ow. Uh, The officer, by the way, was only there because his police dog was ill. Oh. Yeah, he was a police dog officer. He he, he had a dog, he had a dog, like Turner and Hooch, that famous film. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Anyway, the dog was ill, so it's like he was on duty, and he volunteered for the guard duty of the president. Cushy number. Yeah, uh, turned out not so cushy. The bullet hit his neck, but the bullet did not explode. Defective. That's good. Yes. Uh, In fact, when in the hospital, the doctors had to wear bulletproof vests just in case the bullet exploded when they were trying to remove it. By the way, uh, this police officer... Went on to sue the gun manufacturer. Uh, he lost. He definitely lost. Uh, anyway, no time for that. By this point, one of the secret Service men, in fact the guy in charge, had started to bundle Reagan into the nearby limousine. Uh, by this time, Hinkley fired his third shot. Follow this one. Yeah. Go past a shocked-looking man and maybe a granny dropping some bread or something, and it just flies off somewhere. It misses everyone, doesn't hit a thing. Good. The fourth shot hit a secret Service man named Tim McCarthy. Tim McCarthy stood in front of Reagan. By this time, he'd realised what's going on, so he stood in front of Reagan. He made himself big. He was taking a bullet for the president like you're supposed to. <laughs> I didn't think this would actually happen, he thought. <laughs> well, um, <laughs> this bullet also did not explode, as it was designed to. The bullet ricocheted inside him and went through his lung,
0: diaphragm and liver.
1: Ooh. Yeah. Uh, McCarthy, by the way, was only on duty that day because he'd lost a coin toss with a colleague.
0: Oh, I bet his
1: colleague's laughing. (laughs) Could have been me. McCarthy survived and made a recovery. Yeah, He later became a police chief and then got into politics as a Democrat. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So that's nice. The fifth shot, by the way, we're now on the fifth out of six, so keep following those bullets. This one went past him, McCarthy, and hit the bulletproof window of the open limousine car door. Right. So it just smacks into that. No one's hit. By this time, Reagan has been bundled into the car with the lead security lying on top of him, shouting, Go, go, go. The sixth bullet hits the car door, ricochets off, and manages to miss the security man on top of Reagan and hits Reagan. In his left underarm, ricochets, Mm. hits a rib, and then lodges into Reagan's lung less than an inch from his heart. Oh. Yes. By the way, Jamie, all of that took 1.7 seconds. To fire six bullets. Bang, 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 bang. That was eight, but I could edit two of those out so I don't sound stupid.
0: Hang
1: on. Bang, 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 bang,
0: bang. Hang on, I'm going to put a timer on. Okay. Stopwatch, okay? Tell me where to go. Three, two, one, go! Bang! 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 One point four six. Yes, you could do it. You can do it. See, science can't yeah. argue with the science.
1: <laughs> 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 so, when the podcast goes south, which you could argue it already has, we could just get into uh, <laughs> get into forensics, Jamie. That's what we could yeah. do. We could start doing crime podcasts. They're always popular. Oh,
0: yeah, yeah that's, so that's crime. what we
1: do. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, yeah, it's just less than two seconds all this happens. In the next moments, the limo drives off. Hinkley was jumped on and beaten. Uh, One Secret Service man pulls an Uzi out of his briefcase, just in case.
0: Uh, Yeah, okay.
1: I mean, that makes so much sense, but for some reason it just doesn't seem... It's not my image of the Secret Service. I think, cool, collect it. Pulls out a pistol and checks your six, that kind of thing. Not just scrambling to pull an Uzi out of your briefcase and just start spraying (laughs) the walls. What's the the combination
0: for this briefcase again?
1: (laughs) Yeah, um, anyway. Is it 111 or 222? (laughs) How do you spell password with numbers? Um, (laughs) Anyway, meanwhile, in the limo, Reagan was in a lot of pain. Uh, I'm not surprised. Well, he didn't know why. I mean, oh, yeah, no one knew he'd been shot. Uh, he assumed that he'd broken a rib after being pushed into the limo, because to Reagan, mm. someone jumped on top of him, pushed him in and landed on top of him, and then as he was lying down, he felt something in his chest. When he been like laid on top by that point. You wouldn't think it was mm. a bullet, would you? Yeah, so he- he's in pain. He thinks he's broken a rib. The limo starts off towards the White House, but when it became clear that Reagan was coughing up blood, they di- diverted to the hospital. They assumed that yeah. uh, he had broken a rib and that rib had punctured his lung. So within four minutes of the shooting, amazingly, they were at the hospital. This was so quick the hospital did not have time to get a stretcher out. So Reagan got out of the limo and walked unassisted (laughs) smiling, grimacing to some people who happened to be there from the public with a kind of wave uh, and just walks into the hospital. And as soon as he gets inside he just collapses to one knee. Uh, that is that is pretty badass. That is pretty badass, you got to admit it. It's <laughs> yeah. pretty badass. Uh, it was at this point that, uh, that he realised he'd been shot. I was like, ah, I've been yeah. shot. Uh, so he was rus- rushed to surgery. Reagan joked to the doctors as he was being wheeled in, I quote, I hope you are all Republicans. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Which again, you've got to admit, good line uh, and then yeah. one of the doctors replied because I mean he'd obviously been practicing smart replies today Mr. President we are all Republicans oh. and then everyone stopped and then held to the chief plate and then everyone high-fived yeah. and then they went oh, oh, we're meant to be Banner, doing surgery down,
0: balloons yeah, yeah. exactly oh, it's a good time good time what to be an American
1: anyway the president's blood pressure dropped from 140 to 60 this is enough to kill Reagan blood, was yeah. close to death If they'd taken longer to get to the hospital, or if that bullet had just gone a little bit more, he would have died. Uh, But Reagan pulled through. Uh, The surgery was clean and efficient, and it went well enough for the doctors to quickly be able to say, actually, he'll be out of hospital in a couple of weeks. Cool. Getting shot's never good. But if you're gonna get shot being shot by this type of bullet that didn't explode, actually meant Mm. for one of the better recovery times you could hope for.
0: Yeah.
1: As you can imagine, the whole thing did Reagan the world of good politically.
0: (laughs) Yes. I bet he Uh, set it up, didn't he?
1: (laughs) Well, the public uh, were still not sold on this man, despite the landslide election. Uh, They were glad Carter wasn't there, but who is this Reagan? But this happening just a handful of weeks into his presidency made sure that there was an outpouring of public support. No one in their 70s is going to be able to shake off a gunshot wound, but like I say, you could have had a worse gunshot wound and Reagan was back on his feet and in the White House remarkably quickly. So he starts getting on running the country, and he did this in a very similar way to being the governor. One of the criticisms against him by his opponents had always been that he didn't really know what he was doing. He was light on detail, big in cliches which arguably is true. But if you remember, when Governor, he also knew that he didn't need to know the details because he could just hire people who did. So he often, in fact, wouldn't give details to his subordinates about what he wanted to do. He believed that his public statements were enough for them to figure it out. (laughs) Which uh, I read and thought, that's interesting. I wonder how Reagan would have dealt with Twitter and whether it would have been a case of, well, I sent a tweet about it, so come on, guys, keep up. Uh, you kind of get the feeling it might have been a (laughs) little bit similar to that as president he expected his people to know what would be expected from them without express direction read my mind well he also expected them to get it done and if they didn't they were out Uh, mostly this actually worked really well he delegated and people figured out what he wanted Uh, Although some aides did get frustrated by the lack of direction and feedback. One remarked that they just wanted to know whether he was helping or not. Am I doing a good job? (laughs) But he wasn't able to find out. Reagan was like this with everyone apparently stony-faced, giving little away. Uh, One thing aides soon realised, though. uh, It turned out that Reagan was the kind of guy who would believe people very quickly. Uh, They soon realised that if he had the magazine Human Events in his pile in the morning, uh, things could escalate quickly that day because he believed what was in that magazine. Now Human Events was a very right-wing magazine that to put it bluntly was more propaganda than reporting. It had a reputation in Washington to be unreliable, shall we say.
0: It so was it's not a, bit a magazine like the
1: Modern Day Breitbart kind of thing. Yeah, it was not a magazine that serious politicians read, but it was a magazine no. that the right faction of the GOP read. But now, that faction were the serious politicians because they've taken over the party, so... The aides, however, th- started just hiding the magazine from him because <laughs> they realised it got Reagan a little bit riled and a bit unfocused that day, uh, which uh, is interesting. Uh, anyway, mm. uh, if these were his negatives, however, there were definitely positives, and they were just what you'd expect. He could charm people, no problem. Yeah. He was able to compromise, even if he was annoyed at doing it. He was not st- stuck in his ways. If he realised he had to back down on stuff, he would. Once he was set up and recovered from the shooting, Reagan started to look into what he wanted to do in his first term. Essentially, it was nothing short of dismantling the ideals of the New Deal and turn to capitalism to solve the country's problems. But what's that look like? Well, there were three main goals. Well, they can goals. sort it out. <laughs> well, three main goals, and this is what Reagan made sure was clear. We have three main goals. You guys make sure this gets done. Number one. You can probably guess number one. More nuclear weapons. Yes. Well, I've put that as number three, but that's definitely one of the three. Yeah. I've put it as restore US domination militarily in the world. It's not necessarily nuclear weapons. We just need to be the power. That's number one. Uh, Number two? Um, Little government, big state. Little government, yes. Make the government as small as possible. Get powers to the states. Yeah. Mm. And number three, his favourite thing to talk about? (sighs) Lower taxes. Lower taxes. There you go, you got all three. You know Reagan's mind. Yeah, well done, three for three.
0: I am Uh, Reagan.
1: (laughs) Well, he made it very clear that these were his focuses to begin with. Coolidge's portrait, by the way, was moved to a more prominent position to show this. Good old Coolidge with his low taxes and small government, thought Reagan. This is the way. (laughs)
0: What
1: a guy. Yeah, Uh, this annoyed some of his supporters. Uh, Not the moving of the painting, the focusing on tax, government, and the military. (laughs) Because remember, a lot of the moral right, shall we say, they'd hoped for more on things like abortion and traditional family values. Reagan didn't seem interested in that stuff. Big picture. Um, Yeah. The first act of Reagan was to use an executive order to remove oil and gas price controls. Remember... Carter brought hmm. these in it's, Oil and gas is hugely expensive Let's put a cap on how much they can charge Reagan just removed them This hadn't been done before because the fear was The companies will then just rise the price Making it even harder for the public yeah. uh, Much to the annoyance of the Democrats That didn't happen uh, Increased oh, production <laughs> Led to lower prices as imports went down Actually Prices went down uh, Reagan put a tick in the win column yeah. He called it, yeah. he got it right uh, he was able to yep. say his ideas were better than anything the Democrats could do, and it was hard to argue with him on this one. He he got mm. that call right. But as the House was Democrat-led, uh, if he wanted to do anything big, working on his big three, he was going to have to work with a Democrat Speaker of the House. And this man was Tip yeah. O'Neill. Good Irish name there. Uh, <laughs> Tip yes. O'Neill. Well, he's the Democrat Speaker, and the two met. Tip was as condescending as many had been to Reagan in the past. In fact, I'll quote Tip here. You're in the big leagues now, he said to Reagan. Mm. Yeah, Mm. condescending. Uh, (laughs) He was obviously in his mind talking to an ex-movie star rather than a president. Uh, O'Neill, by the way, believed that the government's job was to help the citizens most in need, and viewed Reagan as nothing short as a class traitor. Uh, Polar opposites politically. Uh, However, Tip O'Neill might be the more seasoned politician, but Reagan was far more media savvy, and the Democrats may have had the House, but a lot of the Democrats in the House were actually still Conservatives. The Democrats hadn't fully shifted at this point, and a fair few of the Democrats actually agreed with Reagan on a lot of stuff. So that's interesting, and uh, the President and the Speaker knew that, yeah, the Democrats have the House, but Do the Liberals have the House or do the Conservatives? And those two were not the same thing. No. When the first administration-backed budget went through to vote, 63 Democrats crossed the floor to vote with the Republicans. Reagan had proved that he could get stuff through the House. He could get it past O'Neill, even if the Democrats technically have control. So with this feeling like he's on a roll, Reagan started testing the waters for other things he could do to reduce government spending. He reached out to House Democrats personally, individually inviting them to meetings, parties, all sorts. Talking to them one-on-one. Yeah, convincing them of his conservative goals. And he was targeting the conservative Democrats. And, oh, it worked. Uh, An omnibus bill passed with 29 Democrats crossing the floor. This bill was the largest scaling back of government in America's history. Reagan announced... Very proudly, that he had just saved the country $140 billion over the next three years. That's a, that's a chunk of change. Oh, it certainly is. So, where were these savings coming from? How did Reagan just manage to save so was much it, money?
0: It's like social security and stuff like yeah, that.
1: Yeah, yeah, to put it bluntly, it was the poor, Jamie. It was very much the poor. Um, oh. This bill meant that 400,000 families would lose all welfare assistance. Another 300,000 families would see theirs cut dramatically. One million people estimated would lose food stamps. An estimated million children would no longer have lunch at schools provided for them. 700,000 pupils would lose financial support at university. A billion dollars earmarked for medical support was just simply taken away.
0: Wow, That's, that sounds very inhumane. It was
1: ripping apart the New Deal in one swoop. The, the government shredded. is no longer here for you. You're on your own. No. But now you're on your own, you're going to be far, far more likely to make something of yourself. It's the American dream. Yeah, literally millions of American wow. citizens found themselves worse off than they had ever been in their lives overnight. And life had been hard recently. And then suddenly the support was taken away from them. But Reagan got a lot of support. Many saw it as a good way to make the lazy work. And also, all that money was being saved. That's got to be a good thing, hasn't it? You say things like 140 billion savings. That's got to be good, yeah? Sounds good. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, spending on the military shot through the roof, far, far outstripping how much was being saved from the, uh, the budget reforms. So the government were not actually saving anything. They were just pouring it into the military. Uh, Reagan had kept things simple. The larger the Pentagon budget, the better the American military was. Let's not get any more complex than that. So no. let's increase the Pentagon budget by 5% more than Carter. That's what he campaigned on. And here we we see an amazing financial blunder, one that made me stop in my research and just go, oh, wow, (laughs) just wow. So just to be clear here, Reagan had promised 5% more spending on the military. And with the military's budget, that is an astronomical sum. Yeah. However, the Reagan administration, once in power, had missed the fact that Carter had upped the Pentagon budget by roughly that amount just before leaving. Oh. Oh. Yeah. So instead of just leaving it and going, (laughs) there you go, Pentagon, (laughs) you've got 5% more, they put another 5% on top. The Pentagon, you said for not believing their luck, it's like, what, we've just had really? two 5% bumps in a row? They immediately went to work on allocating all of those funds to essential projects. Of course, it's essential. Don't take this. You, no, you promised. You promised. Pinky promise. Do not take this money back. <laughs> Obviously, someone spotted it fairly soon afterwards. This was a huge, huge blunder. Yeah. And once the White House realised the error, it was too late to reverse <laughs> Taking money away from the military would be against everything that Reagan had campaigned from, so he couldn't do it. Yeah. you might have got away with saying, I don't need to put it up because Carter did, because Carter only did it because I said I'd do it, and actually this was me. He could have spun that. But he can't take an extra five off once he's given it. So this oh, means dear. that the aim of balancing the deficit has been destroyed. Reagan wanted the deficit yeah. equal. His whole idea is we don't spend as much, we don't give out as much, and the government is staying level.
0: Oh, yeah. oh and and by the way why are the army wearing like tuxedos uniforms all of a sudden (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah, exactly why does every soldier have a butler uh yeah um so just just like that with
1: someone just not looking into something carefully enough uh that's it it's all messed up the uh the deficit's not going to be able to be balanced out
0: it really shows that details matter.
1: Yeah. Uh, Reagan looked at the list of three things and reminded those around him. Actually, the deficit is, it's something that I believe in. I want it to be balanced. But is it on the board? He pointed to the board just behind him with his three big things <laughs> on. That was sat there. Lionel perched to one side, reading the big three things, stroking his beard. What with? He doesn't have oh, hands. He's a landlord. Reagan. Reagan's hired someone to stroke Lionel's beard. Nice. It's it's all very fancy in the White House right now. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Reagan says, it's like, look, look at what Lionel's butler's pointing to. Storing the deficit's not there, but the military (laughs) being mighty is. And okay, this was a mistake and we shouldn't have done it. But actually, put a tick next to the military being the most mighty military. Because, oh, we have certainly spent enough on the military now and more. Now it's uh, 10% more mighty as well. Yeah, excellent. So big tick. There we go. That's one done. Um, right, okay, what's next? We've slashed government to levels unheard of in this country's history. We have the military spending through the roof and then some. The, the money is being stacked on top of the roof now. Uh, so, what's next? <laughs> ah, yes, it's my favourite, says Reagan. Tax. The largest tax cut in American history. Named the Economic Recovery Tax Act, this was going to be the big one. O'Neill and the Democrats in the House... By this point, had learnt their lesson, however. They saw this coming. Everyone saw this coming. Reagan was all about tax cuts. Reagan could and would get an insane tax reform through the House if he wanted to. They've done it before. Yeah. So how can we fight this? The Democrats thought. So they decided, let's take the sting out by putting out forth our own tax cut idea first. We'll propose something, and then it will be taken on board by the Republicans, and then we we'll start from a base that is more reasonable rather than Reagan's insane nonsense that he's clearly going to come up with. Uh, So what can we put in there that is uh, reasonable? Okay, let's get the top band of tax down from 70% to 50%. Let's put that in there. No, we don't like it, thought the Democrats, but it's got to be better than anything that Reagan comes up with. So they suggest that. Reagan hears this and could not believe his luck. Because he had already (laughs) decided that asking to go from 70% down to 50% for the top, top band of tax was actually too much too soon and would be seen as giving money to the rich. <laughs> there are the Democrats coming to him and proposing it because they are so scared that he's going to go even further. Yes, I agree. Great, thinks Reagan. Uh, so, he just goes along with it, essentially. Uh, the bill that was finally put through was one that Reagan was very, very happy with. Again, a large chunk of the Democrats crossed the floor and voted for it. The majority of Democrats, however, were in despair by this point. One said at the time, oh, i quote here, We haven't really laid a glove on Reagan. His philosophical approach is superficial, overly simplistic, one-dimensional. What he preaches is pure economic pap, glossed with uplifting homilies, an inspirational character. And yet, so far, the guy is making it work. Appalled by what seems to me a lack of depth, I stand in awe of his political skill. I'm not sure I've ever seen its equal. So, we're seeing a bit more of what we saw when he was governor. No, the guy didn't have attention to detail, but he knew how to get stuff done done. Things yeah. just seem to work around him, and we've been calling yeah. him lucky a lot, but I don't know, maybe he's got the magic touch. Uh, within a year, Reagan was able to tick off all three of his aims. That's, One year. That is, that is... He's done the That big is impressive.
0: Him. No matter what it's, your political biases impressive. are, that
1: yeah. is good. Yeah, and if you are a Conservative and you voted for him in because you agreed with these policies, you are loving things at the moment. Everything is going great. Yeah. If you were worried about this uh this guy coming in you are having a miserable time anyway what now yeah well the pesky unions were getting in the way uh air traffic controllers had gone on strike and they were asking for an unprecedented pay rise of ten thousand dollars uh wow. plus 10 percent on top of that a
0: year later this was asking a lot that no that is for the like this is early 80s right uh, yeah, uh, yeah, that's where we are. Yeah, that's a ton of money. That's almost an extra grand a month, almost.
1: Yeah, exactly. And in retrospect, this was too big an ask. The public yeah. did not get behind it. Most saw the job mm. of air traffic control as being fairly easy and fairly well-paid already. You get to sit in an office and look at a computer screen and you get paid lots of money for it. Now, yeah. obviously, if you're an air traffic controller, you will be fuming at that characterization of your job because you will know <laughs> it's far more complex and much harder than that. But yeah. That was the public perception. So the president was able to use this public displeasure to really crack down. He ordered the strikers back to work or they would all be fired. Well, the union thought, whatever, no way you're going to do that. No, Um, you can't replace everybody. That'd be ridiculous. Yeah, and our economy relies on all these planes flying around in our air. We've got planes all over the place. Within Mm. weeks, 11,000 personnel had been fired. Wow. This was over half of the union. The union was... More than decimated. Decimated times five, and a bit more. I guess, though,
0: that adds job opportunities for people as well.
1: Well, yes, at the same time, (laughs) thanks to drafting the military to begin with, 80% of the planes were still operating. They managed to keep the planes mostly in the air. Now, this is a huge gamble. If a single plane had crashed during this time, it would have been over for Reagan. He would have lost this fight, because he would have taken the blame for the loss of lives. No plane crashed. Fortunately, no lives were lost. The union was crushed. Big advertising campaign then starts, and like you say, jobs. And within a month, all 11,000 jobs were filled. All new staff, by the way, had signed something in their contract that they would not join a union. This was the biggest victory against a union for a president since the Gilded Age. Many took note, and across the country, companies start cracking down on unions, knowing that if worse comes to worse, the president will have our backs rapidly workers' rights decline across the country. The weak economy meant Uh. that there was always people willing to take up new jobs without being part of a union. Uh, For the first time in a very long time, we start seeing decline in rights. However, the poor economy was um, hurting Reagan in other areas. Poor economy meant it found it easier to win the fight against the strikers, but in other areas it made it tricky. Uh, The fact was, the White House had um, started to do some sums Probably the same group of people who had missed the 5% hike in the Pentagon. (laughs) Yeah, it turns out now we've actually, like, gone over them a couple more times. What we're spending is not level to the amount that we are bringing in, thanks to the loss in tax revenue. Uh, In fact, quite staggeringly so. Oh. Time to introduce here, David Stockman. Hey, it's David Stockman. The youngest cabinet appointee in over 100 years. He's 34, Jamie, and he is now... He is now the Director of the Office of Management and Budget. What are you, Jamie? Are you that? No, I'm a primary school teacher. Exactly. Well, Stockman, the young genius that he was, uh, he had worked with Reagan to get elected. He often acted as Carter in the debate prep, where they stole Carter's book. (laughs) It was Stockman reading that book to get the ideas. Nice. Stockman had views on the economy, shall we say. These views on the economy often lined up with Reagan's. So, like I say, he was put in as director of the Office of Management and Budget, the OMB, and he is known as the father of Reaganomics. Reaganomics. Reaganomics, possibly more known as trickle down economy now, but that is an oversimplification.
0: Oh, bad, bad. (laughs) It's bad.
1: It never works. Maybe we've just not tried hard enough, Jamie. Uh, Reagan had been telling everyone for years that his plan would sort out America's problems overnight. But the problem was, despite all the reforms he'd done so far, his administration was spending $44 more than it was making. Reagan's idea was, we don't spend much, we don't tax much. But it turns out they were still spending and they weren't taxing much. They needed to find money from somewhere in fact, they needed to find $44 billion. Stockman suggested social security. Let's target that again. Usually <laughs> this is seen as untouchable. You touch that, you're out the next election. But Reagan believed, well, we've already done some reform in this area. In fact, we've done the largest reform we have in American history, and people seem to be behind, our, behind us. So get out the knives, guys. Let's cut away at social security <laughs> some more, shall we? Uh, a task force was set up and it came up with a social security reform that would save the government 110 billion over just a handful of years. Easily cover that 44. Reagan, brilliant. I love it. Go for it. Uh, This time, however, Reagan had become overconfident. He hadn't done his homework. He hadn't laid the groundwork in the Senate. Uh, The Senate were blindsided by this and angered that Reagan was just doing things without consulting them. Every one of them voted against it, Republicans and Democrats alike. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's not going anywhere, thinks Reagan. So he goes back to Stockman. Right, that's not going to work. Uh, what else can we do? So Stockman says, oh uh, "Okay, what about we scale back some of that tax reform that we did?" At that point, Reagan turns around and looks at his big three and his big three ticks. There's, there's a tick on the board. Do I want to take that tick yeah. down? Right. Um, Stockman points out, "Well, if we to just punch scale it in
0: it. the face." <laughs>
1: We we just scale it back a bit, not much, just a bit, then we can plug that $44 billion hole. Here's an idea, said Stockman. Let's just give the businesses and the top tax earners the breaks, and no one else. We can oh. do the rest later on. Let's just give the rich the tax breaks, and that way the people who are likely to finance our next campaign will still finance us, and we will plug the, the deficit. This is sounding very modern. Well, in Stockman's eyes, this is the perfect uh, idea. After all, the top-rate tax was the real goal here. He later admitted, in his words to a journalist, that the tax form bill was, I quote, a Trojan horse to bring down the top rate. In Stockman's eyes, giving tax breaks to the poor was not a goal for the Reagan administration whatsoever. Uh, They were just using it. Reagan, however to his credit, or to his discredit, depending on what your beliefs are with tax, uh, refused to consider this. In fact, I'll quote, Delay would be a total retreat. We would be admitting we were wrong. Now, what Stockman Hmm. hadn't really understood, and what we've seen glimpses of before, uh, is Reagan, when it comes to tax, is a true believer. When he said everyone should pay less tax, he meant everyone should pay less tax, not just the rich which was not the same as what most of his aides thought. No. Those around him thought, oh, we're just saying that, aren't we? (laughs) (laughs) It's just a thing. uh, Yeah, we say that to get the votes. No, Reagan meant it, apparently. Uh, He refused to go with this. I've got a tick on that board. I'm not touching those tax reforms. Okay, so Stockman takes a big sigh and then looks at the next one on the list. Okay, well, what about the military budget? We spent far too much there. Why don't we just take some of that back? Reagan at that fair, point. Yes. Reagan at that point just taps at the big tick again. No. That's a big tick on the board. It's not coming down. So the government balance sheet reached an unprecedented level at this point, a hundred and twenty-eight billion deficit in eighty-one and then a two hundred and seven billion deficit in eighty-three. Now these were unprecedented <coughs> for the time. Totally unprecedented. Mm. The 128 was the first time it had gone over 100 billion, and the next year, it was the first time it went over 200 billion. The government have no money, and they are getting deeper and deeper into debt. This is completely against what Reagan has said he's always believed in. He had campaigned on the fact that Carter's much smaller deficits had caused price instability and had damaged the country. I mean, this was an embarrassment for him, and things were only getting worse. So, in the end, Stockman decides there's only one thing they can do. What are they gonna do?
0: In the next election, get somebody else in.
1: Uh, no, no, you need to um, you need to show that you're saving money, but you cannot actually physically bring any more money in or save any money. There's only one thing you can do, Jamie.
0: Cheat. Lower the expense on oh okay, cheat. Cheat. I'd say buy less pencils for the the government No, offices. no, in Stockman's own words,
1: cook the books. Oh, okay. Fraud. Yeah. It's not fraud the right. government, does it, Jamie? It's politics. Uh, domestic spending cuts <laughs> were simply invented out of nothing, and revenue was overestimated by over 10%. Out, out and out lying, the White House managed to get the next year's deficit forecast to under 100000000000 billion. We're going in the right direction. It's coming down. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Uh Still, it's still not good enough for Capitol Hill. Uh, The Democrats cried that this is runaway gifts to the rich that have been going on so far is what's causing the deficit. You have cut all the taxes. The tax reforms, by the way, were tax reforms to everyone, but they were heavily weighted towards the top earners and the businesses. The richer you were the more yeah. you benefited, uh, The Democrats yeah. pointed this out and then pointed out that the government have no money. Maybe the rich should be paying a little bit more, they said. The Republicans were also very unhappy. Uh, they were unhappy that this unprecedented level of deficit was not under control. Uh, even based on the false figures, they weren't happy. God knows <laughs> what they would have thought if they'd seen the real figures at the time. <laughs> so Reagan was forced to compromise. Plans were put into place to reduce the deficit. Mostly it came from rolling back on Reagan's tax cuts. Reagan lets a solitary tear out his eye as Lionel's butler rubbed out the tick next to tax. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, The Tax Equality and Fiscal Responsibility Act was enacted. The largest peacetime tax increase in American history. So, who raised taxes higher than anyone else in American peacetime history? Yes, that's right. It's Ronald Reagan. Yes. This was putting a lot of uh, the stuff he'd taken away, putting it back on. As you can imagine, Reagan very unhappy about this, but as we've seen before, he knows how to make the most of things. Yeah, He managed to convince a lot of the public that this was all the Democrats' fault. He was only going along with this as a compromise. If it was up to him, all of your tax would be lower. You saw what I tried to push through, but those Democrats have brought back the tax. So next election, remember, remember whose fault this is. Yeah, that Excuse worked Excuse me, a lot sir.
0: Of aren't you the president of the House and the Senate, though? Yeah.
1: Shh. Have him killed. <laughs> that man was dragged away. But that man wasn't alone. Uh, by this time, his opinion poll had dropped to 40%. It was 57% the Ooh. year before. Yeah, he's starting to become very unpopular. In fact, when midterms roll around, the economy's still struggling, he was unable to help prevent losing a large number of seats in the House. As it happened, the Senate seats up to grabs were all a safe ones, so they managed to keep the Senate, but. That was more luck than anything else, and everyone knew it. Uh, After the midterms, which were seen as very much a win for the Democrats, the projection for the next couple of years was bleak. The deficit projections were now running over $200 There was no way to square the numbers. Reaganomics was a failure. One opinion poll said at the time that over 60% of people said they were more than happy to spend less on the military to plug that gap. Seriously, we're spending too much on the military. Over 60% of people said they were happy to pay more tax to plug that gap. Hmm. Seriously, we are not doing the right thing here. Reagan started to waver. Uh, The economy is going to fall over if it keeps like this. And not just according to his enemies, according to everything he believes in, having this high deficit is awful. And he is in charge, and he's got the highest one in the country's history something's got to give. And just then, Jamie, just when he needed it the most, what's that? On the White House lawn. It's a little pot of luck. Oh,
0: of course. Of course it is. Of
1: course it is. Yeah. As we have covered many times, the boom and bust cycles of the economy in a capitalist society is complex. It's hard to predict. It's a hard thing to fully understand. Uh, even professors who know a lot about this stuff disagree with each other. Yeah. One thing we have kind of covered a few times, though, is it's uh, very rarely the person who is in the White House having an effect on the economy short term. Um, Yeah. Anyway, the country was about to enter a boom period. It's just gone through a bust period. It's about to enter a boom period, and this boom period is going to last twice as long as any other post-war boom. From 83 to 88, the economy rose on average 4.2% every year. Wow. Yeah. So it is over 90 That's months of constant, solid growth. Gosh. Yeah. Now, if you were rich enough to have investments, they went up by, on average, 58% over this period of time. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and if you were, like most people in the country, too poor to have investments, then inflation stayed down at roughly 35 on average the whole time. So prices weren't going up. Unemployment plummeted because the economy was going up, jobs were being created. In other words, everyone suddenly started feeling a bit richer and a bit happier. And with the economy suddenly finding its feet, people stopped caring about the deficit. It's still there. It's still at unprecedented levels, but yeah, so what? Who cares? We're
0: making money. Yeah, and that's true. It's like if you're a regular person just getting a job but you're getting money, it's like I don't yeah. care about deficit. Yeah. That means nothing. If you're to going
1: me. through a hard time and you know that the government has this huge deficit and it's getting worse, you're gonna blame the government for your ills. But if you're happy, then you're happy to let things roll. Uh, The Democrats accused Reagan of keeping the deficit deliberately high as an excuse to keep cutting back government spending. I can't pay for anything because the deficit's so high. Meanwhile, business was good. People generally felt richer. So, with Reagan with a big tick on cutting back on big government and a big tick next to his military and a half-robbed-out tick on his tax reform, Reagan was able to sit back and start feeling that maybe, just maybe, he was going to be able to turn this one around. And that, Jamie, is where we will leave it today. Ooh. Yeah. Interesting.
0: I haven't even, you haven't even mentioned Margaret Thatcher either.
1: Well, um, I was meant to have mentioned Margaret Thatcher this episode, uh, but a couple of things happened this week, which meant that I wasn't actually able to finish this episode. This wasn't where I was planning (laughs) to leave. I was going to get to the end of his first term uh, um, and I was going to have a bit of Thatcher in there as well, but I'm going to have to try and squeeze that into the next episode instead, which is fine. I think that's fine. But did you also Uh, notice, Jamie, that uh, I was just born? When were you born? Because I said between eighty-three and eighty-eight, I have just covered a time <gasps> period on oh. this podcast where I am alive. Me too. I was eighty-seven, so yeah. We're both alive now, Jeremy. Not not fully, yes, because finally. we're not Well, we're sort of we're sort of half alive because we're not really covered that time period yet, but we're, we're starting no. to talk around it. So We've been mentioned.
0: yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm guessing that's when the, co- the, the the cloud coverage over the England suddenly happened and lightning strikes, eagles circled, snakes I mean, bit people. Is it a coincidence that roughly the time we were born, uh,
1: everything started to look good in the economy? Yes, um, but then <laughs> you could also argue that that's also true with Reagan's policies. Uh, but we could debate that yeah. another time.
0: Yeah. So, how do you think <laughs> what impact did so we far? have on the American economy? Is um, it? he's absolutely suited for this job in a way like the way yes. he can sweet talk blah, blah, blah. I think the little details are a problem for him yeah he relies I think maybe to rely on luck and circumstance of ah it was me um you've got to hand yeah. it
1: to him though yeah
0: he gets stuff done yeah
1: and I he keeps getting understand. stuff done
0: yeah, yeah. And I, I am understanding understand- why he
1: is held in such high regard yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I, I interrupted you saying exactly the same thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I but agree with me He's, saying you what don't you were about to say. Yeah, I, I can see it. Um, I, I don't think I'm giving too much away uh, by the way I've been talking about things. I don't necessarily agree with him politically uh, no. with a lot of things, um, but got to hand it to the guy. He's getting stuff done.
0: Yeah. And so you can understand uh, why people that aren't liberal and are more conservative would kind of go, well, but this works because it it works. Well, look
1: at so, the oil price. Yeah. Um, that, that worked. And yeah. the economy's turned around. Yeah. <sighs> There's yeah. a big argument to be saying boom and bust. Yeah. And really, yeah. actually, yeah. this came along and saved him rather than the other way around. But yeah. that's one argument. There was also yeah. uh, the argument on the other side. Anyway, we're getting far too much into debate. We've still got one episode left.
0: Yes. Uh, so we're going to leave it there. Uh, thank you very much for listening, everyone. And thank you for downloading us on wherever it is you download us. So, uh, PayPal, uh, what? No. Um, on Podbean. iTunes. iTunes Podbean. Stitcher. everywhere else. Stitcher? Bean, Stitcher? I don't know. Anyway, Bean Stitcher. Uh, you know yes. the score. If you're listening to
1: us, you've already got one. So, thank you for listening yeah. on the thing you're listening to yeah. us on. Uh, before we go, Jamie, Jamie, what have you yes. done? What have you done this week?
0: Oh, I've edited an episode. You've edited an episode? Yes. Yes. All, all on your own, uh, it's going to be released. Yes. It's the initial episode ranking all of the Sartre captains from Archer all the way to Burnham. But the first nice. episode will be out at the weekend, if you're a, a Patreon member. Um, yes. If you're listening to this,
1: it means that it is probably almost certainly out. We're going to release both this weekend yes. as a special yep. treat. Uh, so uh, if you are one of our patreons go and sign up and you can listen to our first star trek episode and get access to all the other episodes there's like there's just loads there's whiskey episodes there's roman episodes there's hamilton episodes so all
0: sorts of stuff there, there so many episodes yes great okay years um, of my life right. <laughs> Sorry, Jamie.
1: One day I'll stop talking history at you. Uh, Right, okay. uh, We should probably round up now because we're waffling. So thank you very much for listening. And until next time. Goodbye. We've gone the wrong
0: way around. Goodbye. That's called domination. I'm being (laughs) dominant. Just because you're now the host in one of the podcasts. (laughs) Yeah, I've got an inflated sense of ego.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Goodbye. Ha! You went second time. Still in charge.
0: Damn it! Chad, have, yes. have you seen this? Have you seen it? I have. I, I honestly can't believe what I'm it's, seeing. It is amazing. It, it's a mistake. It's
1: obviously a mistake. They've not realised. They've paid us twice. It's, it's fine. It's fine. But they, they're going to spot. They're going to take this back. We can't spend this. That's two 5% bumps.
0: Well, yes, but they can't take it back if we already spend it. Do you know we what I'm We can't spend saying? this much money. We've
1: already got too
0: much money. We've literally yes, got but, no idea.
1: You should see some of the stuff my department is spending money on. It is frankly ridiculous.
0: How are we going to spend what, this much money? What, what is your department spending money on, by the way? At the moment, we are literally training dolphins. You're treading dolphins. What? Diffuse sea mines? No,
1: that that was years ago. We've we've gone on to getting them to serve cocktails at the parties.
0: But they're on like, the eighth floor.
1: A lot of money was spent. They can walk now. They have thumbs. Oh my god. Exactly. And when we've reached that level, how are we
0: spending this? The world is literally our lobster. We can do whatever we want.
1: Well, I gather we've got 48 hours tops before they demand this money yet. And if, if we've not allocated it to something reasonable... It's gone. Right, here's my first proposal. Operation Unicorn.
0: I am liking the sound of this. Already sounds hideously expensive. Oh, it will be. Can you remember back in the old days, World War I, we had a cavalry? Yes. And what does a cavalry need more than anything else? Horses. Horses, exactly. Well, Operation Unicorn, we're going to have unicorns. Okay, might need a bit more detail than that. Genetic engineering. Nice. Horses, narwhals, no one's gonna believe the amount of money we can b away. Ha ha. ha. No oh, wait, Jimmy's no no no. Frozen. No. Oh. Come yeah, back, huh. Jamie. I can hear you. Can you hear me? Oh 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 I think
1: I heard you a little bit there. Huh?
0: I can I c I can hear you sometimes. Okay, if you can hear me which you can't, I'm gonna reset my internet. It's great when a guitar's been in tune. Okay, so I call this song the Ballad of the Internet Wi-Fi. My Wi-Fi's down, I don't know what to do. Don't know what to do, don't know what to do. What to do. My Wi-Fi's down, and I don't know what to do. It's down on the day do. Uh-huh. Yeah, I love this guitar. It was, it, you know you can leave it for weeks in hot weather cold weather it just stays in tune wonderfully that's why I bought it absolutely great um